With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of Safe Haven. I'm joined, as always, by Melissa, my co-host, and we are joined by Jen Buchholz as well today. I'm going to apologize about my voice right now. I'm kind of losing it, so I'm not going to do very much talking. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. I mean, obviously, if I have questions, I'll step in, but it's probably not going to turn out well. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm excited. So today is New Year's Eve, right? So we're recording on New Year's Eve before all the partying happens. Of course, my partying is in my pajamas. I'm in bed by 10, but that's okay. It's still an exciting uh, <laughs> holiday and going into the new year. So definitely. How are you doing today, Jen? Pretty good. I feel your pain on the voice issue because I got a head cold. And I'm, a little, <laughs> I'm a little raspy. So my apologies to, to the listeners, <laughs> but I'm not losing my voice. I just don't have my full voice, but it's good. But yeah, I'm. I'm excited it's New Year's Eve. I always get excited at the New Year because it's like a fresh start or try to look at it as a fresh start. And I think for Judy's case and the case that me and George are working, you know, it just brings that, you know, that fresh new start, the new year. So and new hope and everything else. Yeah. And so listeners know as well, um, Jen, your podcast is going to be starting off here in about the next month or so, isn't it? Yep. Me and George host a podcast called Break the Case through my employer, American Military University. And um, my editor and I just put the promo together yesterday and it should be finalized Monday and out this coming week. And that's just, you know, a little intro to the case of Linda Malcolm that we're working. So if you like true crime and you like the real time investigative stuff, like what Justin and Melissa are doing, follow Break the Case too, because we have a very similar format and you'll hear me and George week by week going through our investigation And of course, just like you guys do, we encourage listeners and readers of my articles and stuff to please join our Facebook groups, join our social media and weigh in. Give us your ideas and thoughts. We want to crowdsource these investigations. Absolutely. And you guys are dealing with a case kind of like ours as well, where there's a fire involved. Yep. So Linda Malcolm was killed in 2008 in Port Orchard, Washington, and she was stabbed approximately 18 times and then her house was set on fire. Um... Thankfully, she had neighbors nearby who weren't able to save her, but were able 
to detect the fire pretty quickly and call 911. So it's a little different than Judy's case because Linda's remains were found intact and a full autopsy was able to be done. So we have that advantage. But yeah, it's it's odd because it's the same year. The two victims are the same age. They have some physical similarities. You know, it's like, wow. It's <laughs> not sure how that happened, but... All right. So today we're going to be talking about the autopsy report and some of the toxicology report as well. And you had recently written a really good article. And I don't know, we wanted to talk about it because I don't think a lot of people realize the difference between cause of death and manner of death and how all that gets decided. And I don't know, I thought it would just be a really good informative episode I don't know, for the listeners out there who do not know, you're probably going to learn some stuff today. So, Yeah, in the media, the cause of death and manner of death are often interchanged, but they're actually two totally different things that are listed on an autopsy. So I think it's important to explain the difference and then how those are applicable in Judy's case, or really any case. But the manner of death is just the general circumstance under which the person died. And there's five of them. So there's homicide, suicide, accident, natural, and undetermined. And homicide is pretty self-explanatory. It's basically, you know, the actions of one human being took the life of another, whether intentional or not. And then suicide is where the victim themselves intended to take their own life and they succeeded at doing that. An accident would be, you know, unintended circumstances occur that lead to someone's death, like a car wreck that would be listed as an accidental manner of death on the person's autopsy report. And then natural is just the internal processes of the human body led to the person's death. So disease or solely internal psychological processes that led to the person's heart stopping. But then the fifth one is undetermined. And that's when the medical examiner can't make a solid determination on which manner of death was the appropriate one for the victim. And so in Judy's case, that's what was put on her autopsy report. And it does make sense because they couldn't 100% rule out some of those other manners of death. So, and to this day, it's still listed as undetermined. Hopefully that rundown makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) It does. Okay. Cause of death is much more specific. So ultimately, everybody dies of heart failure, right? Like a human dies when the heart stops beating. But there's always some other reason that led to the heart stopping beating, and that's the cause of death. So it's the underlying underlying reason that led to heart failure. And I mean, there's countless physiological reasons that can be listed on an autopsy report in terms of the cause of death, but it's supposed to be pretty specific. And sometimes you can have more than one. Unfortunately, in a lot of autopsies from a couple of decades ago and earlier than that, they would just list like blunt force trauma. It's like, okay, I know the person got hit in the head, but what actually happened inside their body? And that's what you're trying to get to when listing the cause of death. So like in the blunt force trauma example, that would be what started the demise of the person. But it's like, what other official causes led to their death? So on a good cause of death report, it might say something like a brain hemorrhage as a result of laceration of the middle meningeal artery as a result of blunt force trauma to the head. And then basically that means the person got hit in the head, an artery ripped open inside their skull, flooded their brain and caused swelling and pressure on the brain, which led to you know the brain being unable to operate and control the heart. And so ultimately the heart stops. So that's how the cause of death works. 
And the more specific, obviously, the better. So this is really helpful, I think, to go through in relation to Judy's case. And I think what I want to do is kind of go through each one of these and kind of talk about the likelihood, right? And I know that when Alan was on, you know, two weeks ago, that was really helpful in regards to, you know, looking at her and confirming that she was dead before the fire. And so kind of ruling out or ruling in some of these different scenarios is only going to help us get closer to what, you know, happened to Judy. So, you know, the first one we mentioned is homicide. It can't be, you know, classified as a homicide, but clearly that's what we're investigating this as, is a homicide, due to the fact that she was dead before the fire. So we're looking at who's ultimately responsible for that. Exactly. Yeah, homicide definitely can't be ruled out. And in writing my article, I knew that right away. So I actually started with the accident and suicide manners of death, trying to figure out were those possibilities or could we rule those out? And so I'm, I know we're going to talk through those. Yeah. So then if we go to the next one, which is suicide. So I know you wrote a part on that in your article. Do you want to kind of talk about that, the likelihood of suicide? I'm going to just caveat up front. I can't 100% say she didn't kill herself. Alan actually, after I wrote my article and then I listened to Alan's interview, he gave me even more insight than I came up with on my own. But I was thinking through something I like to do is try to put myself in the shoes of the victim and what steps would they have to take to successfully commit suicide, but also start this fire, but also not breathe in the gases and the heat and the smoke from the fire, because based on Judy's carbon monoxide level, we know that she was dead before the fire. Okay. So I started thinking, well, could she have, you know, started the fire, shot herself, you know, which would cause her to collapse and probably die very quickly. But the problem is with that scenario, or even saying slicing her wrist or slicing open an artery with a knife, they found her steel toes from her boots in the aftermath of the fire. So if she'd use a gun or a knife, that would have survived the fire as well. And they would have found that. And they sifted well through that cellar and did not find any kind of weapon like that. Now, there was one scenario that I can't completely rule out, even though It's a little far-fetched, but again, you know, we have to stay open-minded. And that's the scenario of her hanging herself. So I was thinking about that one, and I thought, okay, she could have started the fire, say, on one side of the cellar, and then rigged up something to hang herself from. And it doesn't take very long for you to go unconscious in a ligature hanging. So in theory, she could have maybe accomplished that gone unconscious before the fire got too big and not breathed in hardly any of the gases or smoke. And then obviously whatever she hung herself with would disintegrate and burn up in the fire and there'd be no evidence of it. Mm -hmm. But we got to look at that a little deeper, right? (laughs) So the cellar is only six and a half feet tall. Now you can hang, you can successfully hang and kill yourself from a doorknob on a door and be on your knees. But my question would be, what would be the structure above the area where her body's found that she would be able to rig up some kind of hanging device? I mean, you have a floor above, so I don't know. I mean, I can't say for sure, but it's like, what would have been above that area that she could successfully do this? And I find that part of the scenario to be highly unlikely that she'd be able to. And quite frankly, why? I mean, you can go into the regular house and find way easier ways to kill yourself or hang yourself 
without going down into the dingy cellar where you can't see anything and there's no electricity. So also, how are you, you know, right. having light or whatever to help you with this? It's just too complicated. And, you know, Occam's razor, usually the simplest explanation is the correct one. And mm -hmm. so I can't completely rule out the scenario of her hanging herself. But again, it's just super complicated and it doesn't it, make any kind of sense. No, it's super uncomplicated or it's super complicated. I can't speak. But the problem is, too, is, you know, she it doesn't line up with why she'd walk out to the farm correct. to do this, right? So yep. when we look at her victimology and her behaviors, mm -hmm. uh, most people aren't going to walk, I would say in general, 13 miles to commit suicide on a yes. property that they loved in a cellar that they did not like, Yeah, uh, which she could have easily done, you know, taken her life in many other ways. So it seems like to do to go to that length is very extreme. And I that's why I think the likelihood of her, you know, taking her life is a lower probability, right? Because totally. even if she didn't, you know, breathe in smoke. I know one of the theories back when they first investigated this, the thought was that she had started a fire and it got out of hand in the house. So then she moved to the cellar. Well, that doesn't make any sense because number one, if you're going to start a fire and it's accidental you would go to our neighbors and call and get help yes. you wouldn't then go to the cellar to, no. to seek refuge and if it got too warm she's not going around trying or got too cold she's not trying to set multiple fires to keep her warm when there was we now know electricity in the house so yeah. that whole theory or ideas back in 08 just you know goes to show that the likelihood just isn't there that she took her life right exactly yeah. And we can talk through that accident scenario too, because I know that's been brought up, but yeah. I mean, you kind of, you got into it a little bit right there, but that one, I also can't make sense of either. If you start a fire to keep warm, first of all, I don't know why you would start a fire outside the wood burning stove inside the home. Um, right. She knew how to use the wood burning stove. Just use that. It'll warm the house. You don't, what, I mean, what are you starting a fire in, in a wood house? Like, Honestly, I would just like to hear the explanation of that. Like, where and how are you going to start a fire to keep warm in this house? Like, in the bathtub or what? I don't... It's so confusing what the thought process was on that. And, I mean, she's a well-grown adult with logic. She's going to know. Uh, this house is mostly made of wood. And mm -hmm. I stand a great chance of setting it completely on fire if I don't use the wood stove. So, right. who would do that? And also, forget, sh she can turn up the heat. It has electricity. Because yeah, I would be one who would start the whole place on fire. I don't know how to use one. I'm sure she did. I'm sure she's much, you know, more savvy than I am, but I would just turn up the thermostat. So none of that to me seems like the likelihood that she went to those great lengths. And even like you mentioned, the hanging, you know, she's not going to go to the cellar to do so at the mm -hmm. bottom level. Let's mm -hmm. go into the accident. Okay. The accident theory. What's your thoughts on the accident? Well, we just just discussed the one scenario that I find just unbelievable, literally. But the same would go for the outbuilding. You know, like for some reason she's in the outbuilding that has no electricity or light. What is she using to start a fire? Also, again, there's like all kinds of wood products inside that building and the building's made of wood. She knows it's going to catch fire. I mean, she's not a little kid that doesn't understand that. So right. there's, it's completely nonsensical. And also, like Alan pointed out, and this is where, this was huge to me, her body positioning does yes. not support a suicide or accident. 
it supports her being dragged down those stairs and then um, left right there at the bottom of the stairs. If she hung herself from a rafter or something in that cellar, she, I guarantee she'd be in a a totally different body position. She'd be on her front, most likely, depending how much room there was around her, her body may have ended up flat, but she would have been on her front side. She wouldn't have been all bent in the position that she was. And right where her body was positioned, I'm trying, you know, going back to when we were on scene there, there isn't a lot to like, really hang your it like you know from an accident standpoint right i mean there isn't a lot of room in that cellar Mm -hmm. it was pretty jam-packed and i think that's why if you are going to do anything the house would be much more yeah likelihood but when i think about an accident i think about some other scenarios right like could we mentioned earlier could she have been hit by a car and that's considered an accident right in the sense of well, I, sort I don't of. know. I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that, right? Because yeah. if you hit somebody with a car by accident, so let's say she's walking, let's play this out, right? We've kind of talked about this before, but I think let's kind of explore it more now for the listeners. If you're walking on this very dangerous road at night and someone is driving, they don't see you. She's wearing dark colors now that we got the case file. Mm-hmm. She was wearing like black sweatpants. So somebody, let's say, hits her. Mm-hmm. And the impact itself, maybe she's killed instantly, maybe she's not. But then that's considered an accident. But then this person took the steps, if this is what happened, to then conceal that Correct. accident yes. and set her on fire. So this could initially have started out as an accident. And then it they took it to the next level. And, you know, maybe yeah. she wasn't done. Correct. So usually when you get hit by a car, um, you don't die right away, mm-hmm. especially on that road. You can't do a real high rate of speed. So she obviously would have been very injured, probably broken legs at a minimum. And depending how far she got thrown or if she went up onto the top of the car or something like that, she could have suffered upper body trauma as well. Blunt force trauma. It just depends, you know, on the angles and the speed. But either way, yeah, that would have started out as an accident. And if that's what happened and the person called 911 right away and got help, it would be classified as an accident. Now, there's obviously some mitigating factors that could come into play, like if the person is on drugs or drinking or something like that. It could have ended up being manslaughter. But if the person's completely sober and it literally was just an accident and Judy's like in the road in dark clothing, I mean, that's partly her fault, too. And I'm not victim blaming. But... That would be a very unwise thing to do in the pitch black. And so if the person had hit her and then got medical attention, they and as long as they were sober, like they probably wouldn't have been charged with anything. So if this scenario did happen, it kind of makes me think the driver was high or drunk or something else going on that was illegal. The thing is, someone gets hit by a car, they usually have some pretty distinctive injuries and a medical examiner would be able to figure that out. And so it would be very logical why the person would want to dispose of the body and make sure that the cause of death could not be determined. And I think too, like if you're, if you're going, cause Alan shared a, an article with me yesterday, which was really interesting. It's similar situation or could be to Judy's in the sense that there was this uh, woman who was jogging in Arkansas on the side of the road out in the country. Um, somebody killer monster hit her, you know, purposely 
and she didn't die right away. Um, and so he ended up taking her to try to conceal it. She was still alive. The only injuries noted at that time was to her face. So she was bleeding from the face, oh. but he said that the truck that this man was driving had a little dent. You would have not known that he just hit somebody. Wow. Um, they just happened to see a, a little speck of a speck of blood. And so that's a, you know how they ended up finding him. And he actually joined the search party and on Facebook and, you know, did all these things. And here he was the one who yep. um, hit her and then she was still alive and he, you know, raped her and strangled her. Yep. So that's so, the Sydney Sutherland case, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yep. Where so he, I, yeah, he purposely hit her with an intent, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, and what it shows me though, is when I, he sh showed me that article and I was reading it, there wasn't damage to this guy's truck like yeah. you would think. And yet this girl was, she was smaller, right? Yeah. Than Judy. And so who knows and how fast you're going and all of those factors you just don't know. But it's very likely that that is something that happened is somebody was driving on these back roads and hit her and then said, oh, you know, panic said, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. And then decided yep. to cover it up. Exactly. Yeah. It does depend. The level of damage to the body and, and the vehicle depends on the type of vehicle. So I should have clarified a little bit earlier when I said that the shins are around the knee area is often broken by somebody who gets hit by a car. That's by somebody who actually gets hit by a car, like a sedan. Now, if you have a higher up, you know, truck or Jeep or a semi or something, yeah, the injuries are going to be totally different. And something else I want to point out, she could have been hit and then run over because the person didn't have time to veer around her or stop or whatever. And that could have caused more injuries to her. And like you said, the person panics. I mean, I can visualize this entire thing going down. So, I think the only thing that that hiccup, right, if we go that, if we talk about that, and we've all, you know, talked about this before, the only sticking point for me, and if, if that's how this happened, was the fact that she ended up at her family's farm. So yeah. somebody had to know. It wasn't yep. left somewhere else in a field, you know, she wasn't put somewhere else, but actually at the farm. So somebody had to know that, number one, yep. that that's her property farm and that yes. nobody lived there. You got so, it. As you walk through that, I'm like, what's the likelihood of that, right? Of I think the hit hitting her is very likely, but then you have to go, who would have known those things, right? Yeah. Um, and so then that's another area of trying to figure that out of who yeah. had that information. I mean, I I think in a rural area like that, a lot of the local residents have been there for years and they probably kind of get to know who lives where and what properties are inhabited or not. Um, mm -hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me, you know, someone that's driving on that road is probably going to their own residence. So there's a decent chance that they are a nearby resident of the Petty Farm um, and knew that family and knew that they were no longer living there. I don't think that's out of the question at all. And there's mm -hmm. others who would know the area very well, like law enforcement or maybe local city officials. I mean, somebody like that, especially, you know, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody in law enforcement, but we have to consider this scenario, right? So like a cop, they patrol the roads constantly. They know where people live. So, and they know which places are inhabited or not. I don't think it's out of the question that someone could have hit her and realized who she was. was like, you know, what am I going to do? Well, and the other thing is that, you know, we have Chris saying he picked her up out there. So mm -hmm. we know, 
you know, at that point, even in the case files, you know, he's saying that he he did pick her up there on Jericho Road. And we have now confirmed in the witnesses' statements that she was out walking on those roads at time frames now. That yeah. kind of that put but, her out there for Chris enough to pick her up if that's what happened and drop well, her off at the farm. And let's do a little language analysis, right? I'm not pointing the finger at Chris at all, but when you say I picked her up, well, what happens if you hit somebody and they're laying in the road? You have to pick them up, right? We always think, oh, picking someone up means they're standing on the side of the road and they get in my car willingly. But there's other meanings to that language usage. So mm-hmm. we have to, again, just keep an open mind and know mm-hmm. that, again, not pointing any finger at Chris. I mean, he's been so helpful and so informative. You know, so far his stories seem believable. But again, you got to look at, you know, people leak information when they're trying to hide stuff. And so picking someone up, there's a lot of different meanings and a lot of different ways you can pick somebody up. So if we look at, you know, we kind of went through the accident scenario. And for me, I think getting hit is the most likely kind of first initial accident, right? Like Mm -hmm. didn't meet you it. The other option is she's out at the farm. Someone knows she's out there. They go to the farm and then something happens there. So maybe the intention was to just go check on her. Maybe the intention was, maybe there was bad intention, right? That someone knew she was up there and they went there and then there was a struggle and then they had to cover up the evidence. Um, is it likely that there was a sexual assault? We don't know. We have no idea. of the evidence. So it can go either way, I think, of looking at this as was she hit, you know, and it had to be, uh, you know, Chris puts himself there as to, you know, picking her up and then dropping her off. But that's where we're not sure, right, as to how that all happened. But did, you know, somebody go back? Chris did pick her up, let's say, dropped her off and left, and somebody else knew she was out there or somebody Mm -hmm. else happened to come upon her out there. That's all likely as well. I really, really struggle with believing that she could navigate up that driveway. I mean, you and I walked at the videos on YouTube and we walked it during the day but I really just struggle with believing she can make it up that driveway uninjured in the pitch black. I mean, there was no moon. Well, it was a crescent moon that night, but basically no moon. I'm not saying she didn't have a flashlight. We don't know, but it doesn't sound like it. So how is she making it up to the house to begin with? And then why Mr. Petty was specifically looking for shoe marks, tire tracks, anything on that driveway and didn't see any. And even if, you know, and if it was muddy, you would still, even if you don't get the shoe print, there would be evidence of somebody trying to walk up there, I have to believe. And he found nothing that pointed to that. But let's just say she is making it up the driveway. There is another scenario we've discussed where somebody's maybe illegally hunting on the property and they accidentally shoot her. And so that would make a lot of sense too, to where they need to cover up this crime so the medical examiner can't figure out the cause of death. Because if they find out she's shot, that's gonna give a clue to the killer. So right. I, that I could see. I can also see, I know we looked at, you know, what were, I I was asking people like the hunting time frame, you know, is that possible? And we know that the Petty Farm is a beautiful farm and 108 acres or something. People love to hunt there. So much so that, you know, Mr. Petty is very strict on who he lets on his property and who's not, Mm -hmm. and he farms that property. Um, And everyone knows the rules in the family, right, as to uh, making sure that the gates lock, making sure that you do it just as you know, grandpa or dad has said. So it is possible that they were having things stolen back then. So Mm -hmm. it was possible 
or is possible that she did make it up there and something was going yeah. on sure. um, and yeah. walked into something that she shouldn't have walked into. So that's definitely likely. The other thing that we've talked about before is that the petty farm backs up to other houses. Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned that before. So you can get from the petty farm to Tom Sam's house taking trails. Sure. Taking a four-wheeler. You don't need to go up that driveway. Um, and also, you know, the Packers live back there. When we were there, Kelly took us in the four-wheeler. Very easy to do. Mm-hmm. You can even walk it if you wanted to. You could walk so, it. And if you have a four-wheel drive, I believe that you could have driven it easily too. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that's kind of where we're at is, you know, if we go to the of an accident, was it a hunting thing? Was it she walked upon something or was it she got hit and there was, you mm-hmm. know, that, that kind of cover up? Yeah. To me, at this point in your investigation, like to me, there's two top scenarios on my list. One is what we just discussed. Some kind of accident happened and the person felt they needed to cover up. They needed to burn her body in order to disguise the cause of death. Or the other one is that someone had some kind of vendetta against this family. And so that was part of setting the fire to the family farm. But we have not found really anything pointing in that direction. But just with the level of damage and everything, I can't rule that out yet, that somebody had some kind of like real anger towards this family. And this was their way of, you know, getting revenge. Those are my top two right now. That's that's where the evidence points me. The other one, you know, the other death cause that we can look at too is a natural, which I think we've already ruled that out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. She had heart problems, diabetes, all of that. She was still dead before the fire. She didn't naturally yeah. die and set yeah. the on fire. Um, yeah, you don't, uh, the chance of setting a fire and then having a heart attack to me is about zero or whatever. Right. And, and in the cellar as well, right? Right, um, right, yeah. That's- <laughs> Or you remember or one of the first episodes where that sheriff told or that cop told Mr. Petty that maybe because she was overweight, that still gets me. But anyways, so we, yeah. we can rule out the you know natural and that kind of leaves yeah. us with the indeterminate. Yeah. So it is appropriate. Know, for, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, for me, I would say where everything is leading me at this point was, you know, I feel that she made it to the farm. And well, of course, we know she made it to the farm, but I think she made it to the farm and was at, like in the house, was at the house, and then something happened. I think somebody knew that she was there and then came to do whatever they they were going to do. That's where I'm at and then realized, crap, I've gone too far, right? And then had to cover it up. So I think that that is pointing me more likely you know, that way. I mean, I think we did pretty good talking through the other scenarios and basically saying it's just not very feasible. I don't know where the uh, steel toes were found. If they were like found right by her feet, then that indicates the boots are still on her, which means no sexual assault, most likely, because you're not going to, it's pretty hard to rape somebody if their pants aren't off, but I don't know for sure where those steel toes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think sexual assault was the motive at all. No. That doesn't really make much sense to me. And yeah, the thing is, if your scenario is right and somebody knew she was up there, there's a small, small number of people who knew that she was there alone. Correct. Or could have known. Right. I guess we can pick up there. I think that's something, I think we can kind of rule, we know people who were aware she was up there, right? So if we talk about 
So we know, according to Chris himself, he dropped her off, right? Mm -hmm. We know that. So he knows she's there. There is another potential for, we've heard the name Billy Schmuck and Goss (laughs) thrown out so many times, who also lived out in that area, who was friends with the Petty family, who supposedly had a crush on Judy. But the likelihood of him knowing that she was out there at that point, I don't know. You'd have to either be in communication or Mm -hmm. come upon her. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's so remote. And as far as we know, she didn't tell anybody she was going out there. So exactly. unless Billy shows up or walks by, because I guess he used to walk at night and walk everywhere. Is that possible? Sure. But right now we only have potentially two people who knew she was there. Am I forgetting anybody? Well, Chris could have said something to someone too. You know, we don't know for sure where he went after he, if he did drop her off and he lived with other people. I mean, he could have mentioned it to his housemate or he could have made a phone call or, you know, he could have had friends that came over that night and he could have told them. I mean, so we can't, you know, discount the possibility that just by word of mouth, a few other people found out, but it's still going to be a really small number of people, like five, I think at the right. most. Right. And we know when Chris came back, he said everybody was asleep and he went right to bed. Right. So unless he went somewhere else before going home, um, Mm -hmm. again, it would have to be, why are you mentioning you dropped this lady off at the farm? Like, why is that significant? I don't know. So we have a very small handful of people that knew she was up there. So then where does that leave us? Right. Right. Investigation is we know she was there and now let's look at who she was there. Exactly. And again, that number's small. I mean, maybe that neighbor at the bottom of the driveway, like, saw a car pull over, so they peeked out the window and saw her get out. So I guess possibly you could add that person to the list. But I mean, it's it's a tiny list. It's hard for me to grasp. <laughs> I think we're we're looking at somebody who who panicked, who definitely went to extra lengths to cover up what they, yeah. which we've talked about, what they've done. And listen, you know, if it was an accident and something happened, let's work it out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was an accident, but then you went to these lengths and mm-hmm. let's talk about it. Let's finally get this aired out. Cause I can't imagine, can you imagine living with this for 14 years, almost nope. 15 years? No, I could not. Yeah. And what we know, what we all know is that most people who kill someone, they're not able to keep that completely to themselves. Now they don't necessarily go out and give a full confession, but they'll leak information. They'll collect news articles about the case, they'll maybe talk about the case to their friends or family or tiptoeing around it in a way. So they'll keep tabs on mm-hmm. it for sure. For sure. Yeah. And or I, I like we've seen over and over again, sometimes they join the effort, right? I was going to say, I'm so, sure they're following your investigation. No doubt. Well, I hope so. And I hope if not themselves, people around them. Right. Yeah. And so we always say, even with like the Delphi or anybody like that, like start paying attention to people mm-hmm. and what they're saying and what they're doing and how they were yeah. acting, you know, back in, in 08 or 09, or even now with this investigation yeah. heating up, they must be feeling the pressure. And I yeah. can't, it's like, um, I couldn't imagine 14 years of, if this was on my shoulders for 14 years, I would, I think it's time, right? Yeah. It's, it's time for this person or persons to come forward and say, get that off your shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to feel so much better and be yeah. a better person if yeah. you just come forward and tell us. And the Petties deserve that. And I would say to the person, you know, or person's responsible, Mr. Petty deserved this. And yes. it's been 14 years. Stop being a coward, right? Come forward, say what happened, and let's move through this. And let's mm-hmm. work through it. 
because I'm not going to stop. Yeah. And I would think, you know, I can't speak for the prosecuting attorney in most cases and attorneys that, you know, I've been in contact with, if the person just comes forward and explains what happened, you know, the prosecuting attorney is going to take that into account when filing charges. But Mm -hmm. if the person waits around for us to figure out who it is and prove it, (laughs) guarantee the attorney is going to throw every charge possible at that person. So that's something to take into consideration too. And here's a shout out like to all your listeners, because you got a ton in the Parkersburg area. If you remember somebody with a damaged vehicle the week that Judy was killed, please let us know. Um, You can stay anonymous, but I still believe if she was hit by a car, I mean, I'm sorry, she's 240 pounds. That's probably most likely going to do some decent damage to a vehicle. And then if she's bleeding, her body's put in that vehicle, she's bleeding in that vehicle, you know, and the killer has touched her and maybe got blood on themselves. So, you know, if you remember someone's clothing suddenly going missing or they're getting their car detailed or their car's in the shop or they sell the car or take it to a wrecking yard that week or something, that could be a super important clue that you guys need to know about. Absolutely. You made a really good point too, Jen. And I think for me is if you are... The person responsible, absolutely come forward and tell us what happened your side, right? You get a chance to explain, right? Mm -hmm. After all these years, explain what happened. And then we'll go from there. And maybe, you know, the the verdict or the consequences, right? You've lived your 14 years. Judy has not, and her family Mm -hmm. has not. So rather than us find you and then bring you to justice, why don't you come forward and maybe work something out? Yeah. Right. Everybody deserves that in this. And, you know, the killer themselves. I mean, I can't imagine that way. I mean, if I did, I do something wrong and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. For 14 years carrying something that big, Mm -hmm. it would ruin. It's a huge burden. Yeah, it really is. So, Justin, we didn't hear your thoughts based on where everything is right now in the investigation. What were things leading you, the evidence that we've got so far? I mean... As of now, I'm going to have to agree with Jen. Like, I do think it was some kind of accident with her walking because after we got the case file, or at least the first part of it, the fact that the sightings are confirmed and that gives us a better timestamp of where she was and where she was heading, and it does confirm that she was out there walking on these roads Mm -hmm. and she, you know, wasn't probably picked up earlier or whatever the case might have been or not have been. But after reading a lot of stuff through the through the reports and the files and the research that we've done, the fact that Cutright has changed his story so many times, that really, really bothers me. And we have to take into consideration that the person had to have had access, and like you guys have mentioned, they had to know that she was there or where the petty farm was whatever the case might have been but i think it was somebody who didn't necessarily need to go up that driveway they could have came Mm -hmm. around the back yeah Um, like we've talked about that scenario as well the car accident scenario does make a lot of sense to me and i know we have talked about this amongst ourselves before i don't know that's kind of where i'm at with it i mean i don't think I don't know. I think it was a panic for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was somebody with enough common sense to know, okay, I got to get rid of this somehow and cover up what actually happened. Yep. But either way, like I still want to believe that more than one person is involved. So I think there's people out there who know more than what they're saying. And I, I think 
it's because fear of them getting in trouble as well. Sure. So I don't think it's fear of the person who did it. I think they're scared of their involvement. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And that's why nobody's saying anything. Could be. I mean, she was a larger woman, you know, adrenaline does wonders and I can't put it past someone to pick up 240 pounds, but like I've carried a lot of dead bodies working at the medical examiner and I could never carry one by myself. And, you know, I'm, I'm 5'11", 160, like I would lift weights and stuff and I can't even pick up a hundred pound dead body by myself. So that does sort of maybe provide an indicator that there's a second person that maybe helped with this, but that second person might have, you know, they might've got called into this situation, not realizing what was going on. And then it's like, Oh "Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? And now what do I do? Like, do I call the cops and get my friend in trouble? Do I help my friend? But I'm in the middle of it now. I mean, I'm sympathetic to that. And if that's what's happened again, I would think the prosecuting attorney would take that into account that, You know, that this person got dragged into this terrible situation, not by choice. You know, and as we're talking, I just thought of another possible situation as we go through this. You know, maybe she was hit, but she wasn't injured enough to where she couldn't, where she still didn't know what she was aware of what was going on. So maybe someone did hit her and she said, I'm going up to the farm, you know, right? She gets in the in the vehicle. They go up to the farm. They go the back way in because she can't walk this hill. Maybe she's injured. Just get sure. me up there, and mm-hmm. then we'll figure out what to do. And then maybe at that point, the person realized, shit, she's going to call the cops. Like, I can't get in trouble for this. Oh, my God. And then it, it goes to that next point. Or maybe, she, you know, I don't know. I could see where maybe she wasn't initially hurt that bad or hurt to the point where she couldn't still say, I'm going up there. Take me up there, and then we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that person was like, sure, let's do that. And then as things going, the panic. I've been drinking, I'm on pills, I'm whatever. She can't go to the cops yeah, because I just can't have this. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's how, you know, that plays out as well Is that's how you get her up there is she was able to say, take, this is where I'm going. Let's get there and then figure it out. And then maybe she ends up dying there though. Maybe she's hurt enough where they get her up Mm -hmm. there, but she's not yet dead. And then she dies because of the injuries. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, well, now we have to do this. Yeah, because so, if she's suffered more head trauma than anything else, that right. doesn't always manifest in death immediately, right? right? Like we right. talked about, um, ironically, the you yep. know the swelling on the brain earlier, and that will lead to yep. death, but just not right away. But that can happen right. in five minutes, 30 minutes. So yeah, she and sometimes, you know, we've seen stories where people get a real bad concussion and they don't realize it. Or like, who's that actor that died in the hotel remember he fell down bob saget oh, yeah bob saget yeah. right yeah he, he took a fall he had to have taken a fall because he had massive trauma to the back of his skull and in his brain but yet he was dressed he went to bed he put his glasses on the bedside table his phone was plugged in it's like he got himself up and apparently thought he was okay enough Right. So, I mean, that situation could have totally happened with Judy to where she thinks she's okay. Like you said, just take me to the house. I can't walk the driveway. I can't get the lock undone on the gate. So we have to take it back way. And then things go downhill. Maybe she loses consciousness. You know, like you said, the person panics. Yeah. So I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of thinking about it now, you know, as we're going through, as we always, you know, talk, I just kind of had this thought of, you know, it was all an accident and then she ended up dying from the accident and then it's mm-hmm. now we got to cover it. 
Yeah, exactly. And that would get that would get her to her property. Take me here. You know, mm -hmm. my head's bleeding or whatever, but I feel okay. Maybe she died on the way into the house. You know. Yeah, could be. So, anyways, I, I think that's and listen, if the person responsible, if that's what happened, that's what happened. Yeah. But you still got to tell us what happened so that we can figure out and the family and Judy finally gets justice of, you know, knowing what happened. That's like it. you said, I'm not victim blaming at all, but she's out on a pitch black road in dark clothes. I could totally understand how she got hit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I, I mean, there's a case here in Colorado where um, this girl, we, she's just a acquaintance. But she'd had one beer, literally one beer, and she was driving home, came over a blind hill, and there's a bicyclist riding in the road. And she's also driving west into the sun towards sunset. She hit him and he died. She was arrested at first and they tried to charge her with DUI. And she's like, she was only a 0.04. And she's like, well, I'm, you know, her lawyer obviously argued, well, she's below the legal limit. That's why we have the legal limit. And ultimately mm -hmm. she was acquitted of all the charges. And even the bicyclist's wife testified in support of this girl in court because she's like i used to tell my husband stop riding in the middle of the road but he always hated riding on the shoulder she's like i totally understand why this happened so yeah. it could be exactly the same in judy's case you know she just she yeah. made unfortunately a couple bad decisions right and again and so not her the fault. Who may what we've heard a lot is that jericho road was the road that people would take after drinking mm -hmm. because there was not a lot of cops out there um, okay. They would take that road because it was safer than going on 50 or you know any of the other roads. They would take Jericho Road to go wind back there. And it, as we saw in the video, it's a very windy road. Yeah. And so it is very likely, and she's wearing dark clothing, that somebody who is, you know, had too much to drink and didn't see her, hit her. And then she was able to get up and get in the car and say, mm -hmm. take me here. And then from there, that happened. So... I think we're getting we're, we're getting closer though you know yeah. and i think that as we're going we're going to get more of the case files i know that um doug has been great he's given us um all the initials so far i know with the new year uh they were off but he's coming back and he, we're going to continue to get more case files and then meet with him and like you said the person responsible better come now than for us to come for you mm -hmm. and you know this is this evolution of your investigation has been fantastic. It really just shows how following the evidence, I think, leads you in the direction you need to go rather than, I mean, it's great to read people's statements and he said this and she said that, and that can be helpful. But, but uh, I think you guys have really been looking at like the hard facts and the evidence that we know of and, you know, using that, you know, Alan's expertise and stuff to your advantage. And that's just opening up. I don't know. It's really opened my eyes. I think it's opening Doug's too. So Yep. And I, and I'm glad that Doug is working with us and he's, for sure. he's great. All right. Well, I guess well, that wraps us up for 2022 and yep. we'll be, uh, heading into 2023, our lucky number. This is the year. I know it. I always bet 23 roulette. Boom. <laughs> it's my number. And we're gonna, we're gonna solve this with uh, yeah. the PD. Yep. Thanks for the great discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thanks yeah. for coming on. We appreciate sure. it. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. And we're also for our listeners, we will share the link to Jen and George's uh, podcast when, you know, they, the trailer, when that gets up and going so that if you also want to follow their investigation, we're one big group, we support each other. And, you know, again, it's another case that, you know, needs all thoughts, insight, ideas and join theirs as well. For sure. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
You're welcome. All right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, you guys. Hope you have a good one. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.